why would you, because a lot of women would think you're in this position financially, all this type of stuff. You have a lot to lose. Yeah, you can sign prenups and all that type of stuff, but you have a lot to lose. Why would you want to be married? I also have a lot to gain from being married. So, and it's the it's the intangible, the n- things that don't have a price on them. So it's the, I've been busy all day, but I find peace when I'm with you. Um, it's the, I just, I get to share my life with, and I mean share my life in terms of there's someone else who knows what's going on where I don't have to explain the details of this. I'm on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Life is about helping others. Dear future wifey has been doing exactly that. You stated that women are to present and not to pursue. It has given us a, a roadmap on how relationships were meant to be by God. There are still black men who love the Lord and their end goal is marriage. Thank you for teaching me how to stay lit, how to be intentional and transparent. You read your, your letter. I cried. I just got married two months ago, and I'm listening to the podcast on the same marriage. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield, and this is season four, These Dating Streets, on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, I'm so excited about this episode, but before we get started, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, come on, man. Let's make a commitment and subscribe. We're on the road to 100,000 subscribers. Also, last week we launched an initiative to raise $100,000 for Kingdom Royale. Woo! Listen, I am so excited. I just got off the phone with the owner of the land I want to purchase for Kingdom Royale, and I need 5,000 kings and queens to donate only $20 right now. We're that much closer to changing the trajectory of the lives of our black boys in the foster care system. And I need your help. Listen, donate $20 right now. That's the down payment for the land I want to purchase. Donate $20 and crown a king today. Go to kingdomroyale.com. Gosh, we can do this. Oh, I'm so crunk. God, we about to do this. Lord Jesus, we about to do this. Hallelujah. Lord, we about to do this. I see it. I see it. I am so excited to have today's guest on the podcast. Man, let me tell you something. I'm, I don't want to talk about what she does. Every episode or every interview that she does is about what she does for a living. Today's episode is going to be about who she is. So without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My new homie, Terry Egioma. How you doing, girl? I'm good. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Man, let me tell you something. When we talked, we talked. So let's, let, we're going to give people some little backstory. Okay. So I was talking to my boy, Anthony, and Anthony's going to be coming on the podcast in the upcoming uh, weeks. And um, we were just having a random conversation and he, and he brought you up. And I said, yeah, I saw an episode that, that you did with her. And I said, yeah, I would love to have her on the on the podcast, probably an episode about boss women or whatnot. And then he was like, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And then I went went to your IG, looked at you and I was like, hmm, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do that later on in the season. And then about three weeks later, you DM'd me. And I was so honored to get the DM because of what you wanted to discuss in today's episode. And so today's episode is affectionately entitled $40 million virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
so excited. <laughs> I guess. I hope. I hope. So this was interesting. So why was it important for you to talk about this subject matter today? You know what's crazy? I've been in social media now as an influencer, I guess. I guess. Whatever that's called. You're over 100,000 followers on uh, IG. So you say, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Like, I guess some people know me. Not a lot. Just a couple. But, like, I had to make a conscious decision of what I would share of myself and what I wouldn't. Right. And because, like you said, I'm in finance and a lot of people know me about finance, I wanted to keep the main thing the The main main thing. thing. So everything I talk about is mainly finance. They know that I'm a woman of God. They know that I'm a minister because, like, I talk about God. And, I, you know, I'm I'm never shy to say who I love. Yes. But they didn't know, like, all the secrets behind it. They didn't know that I was saving myself from marriage. They don't know, you know, all those things. So now I just felt like it was time. It was time to let people know that part of me. So why is it important uh, to represent God on that level with your sexuality? For me, I think a couple things. I think self-control as a Christian is a big deal. And being able to like fully surrender everything to the Lord and say, I'm not going to give you just this part of my life or I'm not going to just give you the part that's easy and feels good. Like, oh, okay, you know, I will, I will tithe. Which mm-hmm. is actually kind of hard for some people, yeah. but for me, oh, because the Bible says tithe, I'll tithe. Okay, Lord, you say that you should watch your words, I'll watch my words. But this part of my life, my body, my sexual desires, that's me. No, like I, I feel like if if I want to completely give over everything to God, then I need to completely really do what the Bible says, even around my sexuality. You said give myself. <clears throat> it was an episode, <clears throat> it's an episode that I did uh, in 2020, December 30th, which I took a vow of abstinence and you hit the nail on the head. I said that here I was a Christian, but I said, God, this is the thing that I didn't want to give to you. Uh, because of course it, it, it appeals to my flesh. And so in 2020, I made a vow of abstinence because I said, God, I want to be disciplined in every area of my life. So I'm glad that you pointed out that about self-control and, uh, discipline. Um, now this, this vow that you made, when my vow was in 2020, your vow started around when? High school. High school. And what happened? I, so I'll tell you the truth. I'm old now. I'm 37. She said she's so old. So part, <laughs> part of the stuff, I can't remember the exacts. But I remember, like, so I went to Concord Church here in Dallas, and we would do, like, little retreats and stuff. So I remember going to a retreat. Hold on. Who was the pastor back then? Um, Pastor Bailey. Bailey. Yep. And then the youth pastor was Pastor Brown. Stephen Brown was pastor of the youth pastor. That was my homie. Yes. Yes. And so we would go to different camps and things. So one of the camps I went to was Kids Across America. Have you ever heard of KS? Yes, I have. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. So every year, like I went there from actually fifth grade to high school. So every single year I would go there and then I did like their higher ground program. I did their um like program where I actually became one of the little, the little like, leaders. Yeah, little yeah. leaders. So 
you can't hear about the Bible and hear what it says every single summer and not do it. So I remember in high school making a pledge, okay, I'm going to wait until marriage. The Bible says that you shouldn't shouldn't have sex until you're actually married because the two become one. Yeah. And then, you know, in high school, I can't remember which programs did this, <laughs> but they always show you the thing of like you get you get with one person and then you get with somebody else and it soils your flower <laughs> and then you go to the next person and it gets even dirtier. And then they're like, well, by the time you get to your husband, you're going to be a dirty, soiled flower. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be dirty, soiled flower for my husband. <laughs> that was high school. Oh, God. So, Terry, I did a video um, that is going viral on my YouTube. And I did this about a week ago. And it talked about does uh, that I'm not intimidated by a woman's past and um, her body count doesn't concern me because I know how to cultivate that woman. I know how to bring something out of her that no man has ever brought out of her and to experience something from her that no man has. And when I tell you I'm getting so much criticism from guys, I've never had, I'll get maybe a few comments here and there from men. This video has 447,000 views and it's a little 30 second video, 437,000 views and 4,400 comments with 98% men saying, you got to be the dumbest man in the world. You are a simp. Why would you even want a woman that's been around that that's had her flower soiled that many times? And they are caught up in this ideology that a woman's value is solely related to her sexuality. You know what? I actually was going to ask you the opposite question. Would you be intimidated if the body count was zero? You know what? When we had that conversation, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago, and I was. I've had virgins in the past that tried to date me, and I said, I'm not worthy mm. because I didn't understand my value. Now, about when I took the vow, I wrote a letter to my future wife, and I said, I apologize for um, giving my body away as often as I did. And I was married before I was married for almost 10 years, but even prior to that and after that, uh, sex wasn't something I had self-control over. And in that letter, I wrote that, um, that I just didn't value myself. I didn't, I, I didn't even know to value myself as a man. And, and when I think back to the virgins that I've met along the way, I would always like, girl, nah, you come on, you can, you can do better than me. You can do better than me. And I would mm -hmm. do that over and over again. And uh, in preparation for this episode, I was thinking, I was like, could I, now let's revisit this with the new frame of mind that you have. Would you, could you actually marry a virgin? And I said, I think I could finally. But at first I didn't think I was worthy because I knew I had to get to a place of discipline in my life. And I had to become a born again virgin, if you would, in order to get into right standing with God. So at first I, I couldn't. Can I ask you one more question? Go ahead, because you're not flipping on me. Lord know, Jesus. Right? Terry just started interviewing me. Lord <laughs> Jesus. Go ahead, T. When you said that you didn't think you were worthy, is it really that you didn't think you were worthy or you think you couldn't, like, have enough discipline to date a girl that wasn't having sex? No, I could have discipline because I've always, I never wanted to have sex with the woman that I want to marry. And so it was a sense of... She can just do better than me. Like I, I felt like a virgin woman. I feel like virgins, y'all, y'all, y'all done a great job. Y'all need to be with each other. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I thought. You know what I'm saying? I'm like you a virgin, you a virgin, you waited, you waited. Y'all go learn this thing together. You know what I'm saying? That's that's how I felt. 
you know, and then, like I said, I just didn't feel worthy. I felt like, yeah, I just didn't feel worthy. I felt like I was a dirty little flower. <laughs> soiled little flower. I was a soiled, soiled little flower that, no, I just didn't feel worthy. And I didn't, I didn't want, because sex is important to me, then I'll be scared of the gamble of marrying somebody who may not be even desire to have sex that she's she's been so disciplined in sex that she could go without it and we're married and that would just drive me crazy you know what i'm saying i'll be like come on please jesus come on can you be a freak for about five minutes ten minutes come on going once going twice if you if you if you just can't do that then i said i chose bad i really chose bad (laughs) but but, but the the reality is again back to the cultivation thing God said keep that same energy if you can go take a woman that's been quote unquote out in these streets as these guys had a tendency to comment then why can't you do the same thing with someone has been that that's been disciplined and to be patient enough with her and be like listen we ain't in a rush for this we have a lifetime oh that felt good we have a lifetime to spend with each other why should I rush it why should I try to make her and compare her to every woman that I've been with prior to her take your time cultivate that that garden and then you'll have a nice little pure flower that's not soiled (laughs) (laughs) that's all right no but you know what i really liked about what you said is there's there's time like you could take your time a whole lifetime and the thing about it is this person is now going to be completely devoted to you and your mind won't be somewhere else it will never be like well has she had it better before from somebody else or you know did the the last guy do it this way it's like no like this is something that you guys get to share like you get to teach her that and I feel like somehow people feel like because you're a virgin, you're you you're like not ever able to learn something. Like you're <laughs> definitely gonna come in and be horrible. <laughs> there are classes for everything. Come on, talk about it. And you're the queen of classes, so uh, you know you you create a class if, if, if it was one needed for it, huh? Man, I would go to every teacher, be like, teach me. We'll record it and put it into a course. Put no? it into a course. <laughs> <laughs> and be the number one course on teachable. Again. Again. Be like, Terry's done it again. Again. She has a new course on how to make love for virgins. Come yes. on, talk about it. That's a good idea. So the reality was, so what? So let's ask that. Now we, you're gonna flip it on me. Did you want to marry, or do you want to marry a virgin? Honestly, part of me feel like it'd be nice for him to know what he's doing. It'd be, and this is so messed up because I'm like, I want you to love me for me, but you, you no, know what you do. It would just be nice. Like, so I don't want a guy to ever feel like, to your point of not feeling worthy. Yeah. Like, no matter if he's had other people, I feel like I would be okay with that because I want him to be able to have some experience and it be an enjoyable thing. Yeah. Um, it, would I marry another virgin? For sure. Okay, good. But I do think, like, because I've heard all the stories. <laughs> I mean, I'm 37 now. I've heard the stories of a virgin and somebody get together and it's not good. Yeah. And I've heard the stories of two people that are not virgins get together and they never it, have sex. So it's just yes, kind of like yes, it could, it could range. But I think it's really both people being intentional about, like, the bedroom and, and keeping that alive. That's yes. what it se- seems like to me. Yes, they have to be willing and teachable. That one of the biggest mistakes I used to make is when I would have sex with the next woman, I would try to be what I was to the last woman. And so even that's like, well, I don't really like that. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, the last woman like that. You know, well, I don't really like that. You know, and I was like, okay. So I had to evolve and learn to say, 
us this beautiful song, and I talk about it. I've said it before on the podcast. Is Fantasia has a song that's called Teach Me. Mm. And said, she says, teach me how to love you. Show me I'm willing to learn. Following every instruction, I'll be a scholar when we are done. And yeah. that's what love is to me. Love is actually coming in alignment, uh, coming into alignment with the, your purpose partner and allowing them to teach you how to love them. And if you're if you don't have an ego in Orange Theory, when I uh, Orange Theory, one of the instructors, uh, one of the instructors used to always say, um, your ego is not your amigo. And, and she would say that when we were working out and trying to push our body past the red zone, like, hey, watch your heartbeat. Your ego is not your amigo. Well, in, in, in lo love and relationships, your ego is not your amigo. You need yeah. to be able to be humble and be a teachable spirit and say, if my main priority is him or her, then we need to be willing to be teachable spirits. Actually, like that's the number one thing I look for in a mate. I really want someone who will study me mm. and get to know who I am. What do I like? Who am I? So that at the end of the day, like they know I can trust them to do all the things that a husband or a leader does yes. because I know that the decisions they make will be best for both of us because they know me so well. You said something key. You said leader. You just slipped and said leader. So a woman as powerful as you are, you're willing to be led? For sure. Do you know how many calls I was on today? Like, I have, like, 37 staff. But in every single meeting, I want that person to be the expert in their thing. Talk about it. So that I don't have to make all the decisions. Yes. And I think that's going to be the same with my relationship and my husband. I want to be able to lean on him so that I don't have to make all the decisions. See, most people think the opposite. Most people think that a woman like you, uh, you're a boss woman, you're coming to a relationship, trying to run him, tell him what to do. Now nah, I got this. You ain't this. But you're the total opposite because you have a, a biblical foundation that you believe in. Here's this, here's this cuss word, submission. You actually believe in that? Oh, yeah. But again, I, I need to know that he knows me well. It's going to be hard for me to submit when I feel like I can't trust that he'll actually think about what's best for me. Do you think that, but wouldn't that be something that you would see before you decide to say I do? Yes. However, I feel like a lot of people are in superficial relationships right now. Like everything is so surface level that they don't ever get to deep, deep issues. So then when they need to actually trust somebody on something deep, they don't feel like they can completely let go of control because it's so surface. And then they make up things like, well, I just love the way he looks. I love the way he make me feel when I'm around him. But do you feel safe with him? Oh, like, you know, those go. other things, those underlying. Do you feel like, are you secure? Do you feel like he could actually make, like, if you were to pass away right now, could he still lead your legacy the way that you wanted it to? That's good. Like, those kind of questions are only if someone knows you deeply and well. You commented on a video that um, that I released a couple of weeks ago that went viral, hit a million views, that said the number one need for a woman is to feel safe. And that's exactly what you just said right here, is to feel safe with a man and knowing that he can continue. You said something powerful because most of the time it's men that talk about legacy, but you just said that it's important for you to be with somebody that, that knows you well enough to continue your legacy. Why is that important? Why is legacy important? Everything I'm doing right now is, in my mind, for legacy. But it's not even my legacy. It's what the Lord has called me to do. 
So if I have to stop, can he still do what the Lord has called us to do? People may not know what you do. It's a good transition. What do you do, Terry? I teach people how to afford things through trading stocks. So I teach them how to have freedom so that they can make different decisions or not be locked into a job because they have a different stream of income. And how did you come into this? I've been trading for 12 years, but I was a I was in education. I was assistant principal of an elementary school and hated it. <laughs> like crying in the bathroom every day. Like me and the other assistant principal, we literally would sit in the parking lot, look at each other in our cars, and then stay there for like another 10 minutes before we walked into the building because we knew how crazy it was about to be once we got in the what building. What grade level? We did pre-K through second, and then I was opening a middle school. So mm. that next year, if I had stayed, we would have had fifth grade, too. So it eventually would have been pre-K through eighth. God, and you quit at that point. Yeah. What gave you the, the, the courage to jump? I had the extra income. I had finally started trading to a point where I could make $300 a day, which replaced my income as an assistant principal. So that's the freedom part. When you know you have this other way to pay for things, then you can travel all over. And that's what I really wanted to do, travel. travel. I didn't want to be stuck in that building. <laughs> like, if, if I still, like, I, I think I have PTSD from my job. And I still, like, have not gone back in the building since I left. A school building. Or that school building, <laughs> which is really sad. Because I love the kids. But How long did you work there? That one, I only worked there... A little under two years. And it was that bad? It was tough. I had four bosses. None of them could ever agree. Everything I did was wrong. Then when I wanted to do something different, it was, you're not committed. Then it was, oh, you want to take a vacation? Nah. Like, you just. <laughs> you like to be controlled like that. You're like, y'all are really controlling me right now. It was tough. So it have any tough. of those people seen what you do now and reached out and sent you DMs and be like, I'm proud of you, sis. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of people have been in my class so oh, really? yeah so several of them are in my course um my principal went to my church so i got a chance to see him say hey he was there of the four there was some there was some nice ones that's dope that's yeah dope. That's so dope. it's been good and so you started doing this 12 years ago and when you really hit what year was that how many years ago was that that was 2017 was when i quit my job 2017 mm -hmm. and you just and what was the first thing you did when you quit <laughs> the next month i signed up to go travel around the world so i left and went to south korea went to thailand vietnam australia i just i just went all over the world you just went i mean was it a continuous trip or did you come back home and then regroup go back another week or whatever after about three months i came back so you was gone for three months yeah <laughs> October, November, December, January. I was gone for four months. <laughs> and then I was supposed to be gone for a year. It was one of those, like, remote programs where you, like, live in a different country for a year. I mean, for a month and then go to the next one God, and do it for no. a year. But I came back because I had to finish seminary. Yeah. So, so seminary. So, see, you're a jack of all trades. So now, now we're in ministry. And what made you decide to venture into ministry? You feel like I, you was called to it or something you just decided to do? I've always been called to ministry, but timing, I decided. Right. So I knew coming out of high school that I would probably work for a church and that I would go to divinity school. 
But I went to MIT, and then from MIT, I was supposed to be on this whole track of like. So you went to MIT. Uh huh. Yes. We find out you smart, smart. I is smart, smart. I just look like this. No, I'm, I'm just cute. That's all. So, so you went to MIT, then you went to divinity school. Yeah, I was supposed to be on the track of you go to business school, then you work for a couple of years, then you come back. So I actually had already applied to Harvard Business School. Like I was on that track. But then in at MIT, I was actually in the business program. And we had done all our classes with MBA students. So I didn't think it made sense to go to another MBA school and like learn the same stuff. So I said, okay, if I'm going to go back to school, let me do something I actually am in like I want to learn, I want, I'm interested in. So that was divinity. So I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. Hmm. How was that? How was your tenure there? What, what What did God speak to you? What What were some revelations that God began to show you along the way of tapping into your purpose? First one, I actually am called to ministry myself. I was not just going to be a first lady. You better talk about it. She said, y'all, hey, y'all ain't going to be sitting up there with these little cute hats. You understand me? God has called me to preach, too. Come on, somebody. I actually is going to have a cute hat, but I'm going to be in front of the pulpit, not behind it. No, I'm just playing. You ain't playing. You tell the truth. I am. I am. Which um, makes sense, though. Kidding I mean, with facts. Yeah, kidding, kidding with, with facts. facts. It makes sense, though, because, like I said, your background is being a leader in teaching and whatnot, and it would be a disservice to your God and our God to be sitting up here just doing something every blue moon. You know what I'm saying? With the women's ministry, go get up there and go talk once a year. You know so. what's crazy? Like, And when I went into, into seminary, into DTS, the big thing was I just wanted to learn the word. Mm. Like, I just, I was like, Lord, I keep going into these sermons, and I feel like I could finish their sentences. I know exactly what they're going to say next, and, like, this is, I'm not learning anymore. So when I went to seminary, it was like, okay, I just want, I want to be a student. I'm in the background, probably going to meet my husband. He's going to be cute, and he's going to love the Lord. I'm not going to be a virgin no more. Clearly. It didn't work out like that. (laughs) But when I was there that first year, the Lord was like, actually, I really want you to serve young adults. Like, that's who I want you to serve. And what's crazy is, like, even in this journey, I'm still serving young adults. Why do you say that? I mean, I'm teaching them how to get free. And finances are a big part of the church. Like, there are so many scriptures about money. So being able to learn about your money, you're still, like, being a better student, student, steward of of what God gives you. So when you said you were serving young adults, were you serving that at a ministry when you were doing like, like what, what was it? Was it an internship or what, what was it? So from, it took me seven years to finish my seminary degree. But while I was there, I got called to a ministry in Chicago. So I was in full-time ministry for three and a half years. In Chicago. In Chicago. And we were working with like inner city, Everything's inner city, yeah. but uh, Chicago, low, the whole city is inner city. <laughs> low income, right? <laughs> low income neighborhoods. We were um, doing the after school program for the students, and like I, w- we would do ministry with them. Like we would help them with their homework, but then we would also teach them about the Lord. And I was over there, volunteer department. That's dope. Mm-hmm. And then I was a young, I was like a youth pastor. For a year and a half in Chicago. In Chicago Fellowship Church. I don't know if you've heard about that one. Um, Pastor Jenkins, he used to be Oh, Pastor there. Jenkins, yeah. Mm-hmm, so. Yeah, I know the name of the church, though. Yeah. Yeah, fellowship. So I, I was a youth youth pastor there, and that was cool. Like You was a whole youth pastor. I was a whole youth pastor. 
preaching every actually they let me have a break so every other sunday i would preach and that's interesting that they were um revolutionary enough to have a woman as a youth pastor because typically they would have to, and the fact that they allowed you to do ministry without being coupled with a husband. And you know what, what it was, Pastor Carter had ordained me when I was here in Dallas. And so when I went to fellowship, the ministers of Concord actually told them like, no, we think that she's ready. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was kind of cool because both of them had seen me grow up. Like Concord had seen me grow up from high school and then uh, Chicago Fellowship has seen me grow up from like my first year out of college. So it was really cool. Terry, you be doing all kinds of stuff, huh? All this like, stuff. Like, like you're talking about a for real, you was a for real pastor. Like literally every Sunday preaching to the youth. And this ain't no, this not just no normal youth. This is Chicago, kids in Chicago, where they grow up. Now, what, what, what part of town was that in? Southside. Oh yeah, so you was getting you was getting some 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 rough kids. Yeah, rough. But Chicago, every neighborhood is different. Like you got one street is in the south side, but the houses are huge brownstones. So we had a mix of everybody. So when you were a youth pastor, what was it that like? Were you been fulfilled there? Were you feeling like you were making impact? Uh, different initiatives that you put in place, uh, where they've been executed or like what, what was that experience like? That's where God showed me how faithful he was. Talk about it. Because I was so afraid that I would not have anything to say on Sunday. And every single time I went up to preach and it, and I'm I'm a I'm a student type of pastor, so I'm not just gonna get up there and say anything. You're so the whole yeah, the whole week before, I'm like looking at the scripture and writing out things. I have like these whole Evernote notebooks of sermons, but I was so worried. Like Lord, I can't take this job because when I get there, I'm not gonna know what to say. And God told me, No, I want you to do this, and I will prepare you. I will tell you what to say. And He did every single Sunday. He told me what to say, and the kids were learning. They were growing as, as people of God. They were growing as just citizens. They were growing. And so that's where I learned how faithful God was as a, as a youth pastor. And so you did that until about what age? That was, hmm, I told you I'm old, right? So you can't remember. Right. That long. <laughs> Time I was out of high school, that and I was, went to college, and I graduated, and then I went into... I moved back to Dallas in 2016, and I think I had left... I, I was probably preaching from, like, 2014 to 20... Well, no, probably, like, 2013 to 2015. So you did about good two years mm -hmm. in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And how did the job opportunity come to Chicago? Why couldn't it be something around the DFW Metroplex? That was crazy, too. So I, <laughs> I'm like, way to Chicago. I worked for Teach for America, and they remember I told you I was in Chicago. Yeah. So right after college, I was in Chicago, worked for Teach for America, but I was just serving at Fellowship Church. Okay. And one of the people that I served with had remembered, hey, she went to DTS and she's been in education. Those are the skill sets we need for this ministry. And so they called me out of the blue. And what was crazy is I told them no three times. God, God is like all over so my story. So why you tell them no? 
because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to move. At the same time, I had just started a real estate business here yeah, in man. Dallas. You're doing real estate too. Lord Jesus, you always <laughs> just do everything. I always have a side hustle. <laughs> Trading started first for me as a side hustle. As a side hustle. It was, okay, you in education, but they don't pay nothing. Yeah. So, enough. Yeah. So you <laughs> Shout said out I'm to all the both. teachers and educators. <laughs> Thank y'all. God bless y'all. Right? But yeah. they don't pay a lot. So, trading was a side hustle, and real estate was a side hustle, too. But I had just kind of gotten that off its feed, and I'm like, oh, I just started a, a company, and then I, I had a community here. So, I said no three times. But what, what happened was the CEO came down to Dallas and she asked me to come volunteer and help her with a table. So I helped her. And she had she said, Terry, what would it take for you to say yes? Mm. And I had already given God this list of like eight things of why I was going to say no. <laughs> and so I just, I started listing it out. You got to pay for my education and I need this salary and I need to be able to come back from Chicago. I need to come to Dallas three months and I got to be able to do all these things that I told, I thought she's never going to say yes. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, okay. He was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, God, why are you doing this to me? And those that don't know the number eight is symbolic for new beginnings. So uh, mm -hmm. as she wrote her little eight-point list, God said, I'm going to give you a new beginning. But I ain't finna preach right now. But anyway, go ahead, Terry. Look since at you, you think, with the revelations since, up in here. Since, since, since you think you orchestrating your life and God being the major puppeteer, just go ahead. Go ahead. So so they, they, said, they said, yeah, and, um, and there you go, off to Chicago. Yeah. Then off I go to Chicago, I'm still in seminary, still doing stuff. But I will tell you the truth. Like after year three, things got really hard there too. And I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I do so well in a job Perfect. for the first two and a half years. And then all of a sudden, got, year three. It unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what happened? Yesterday you were nice to me and today you hate me. Like, what happened? I don't get it. Like, this is not fair. I, I'm crying in the bathroom again. again. So went from ministry there to the school here. And I, and I think what God has just told me with this whole thing was, I have had my hand on you. I have a purpose for you. And, and this is why being a virgin is so important, because I think God had to know that he could trust me. Talk about it. The same way I talk about knowing me so well, like a husband knowing me so well that I can trust him. I feel like, of course, God knows us. But part of me, like being able to have self-discipline and keep my body like this is the temple of God. And he, him being able to say, I trust you, Terry, and you are my temple. And I, I can do these things with you because I know the sacrifices you've made for me. Oh, Lord Jesus. Try not to get emotional right here. All right, so has it been times where it got a little rough? It got a little weary in your well-doing? Yeah, I'm 37 and I'm a virgin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes people may not have a, you know, people, they, they, they libido be different. So sometimes people be like, well, I can do without sex. You know, sex ain't really that important. It's overrated. I don't even have that need. God bless them. But some people are like that. You know, and then some people have high sex drives and but they haven't had sex, but their bodies, their hormones are racing and whatnot. And so uh, has that been a challenge for you in these 37 years? I think there's a couple of things. I think, one, because I have not had sex, I do think that has helped the journey be of easier. Yeah, of course. Because I do hear, like, once you do have sex and you want it yeah, all Pandora's the time. Pandora's box is just So open. I don't know what I don't know. Right. So that's been a blessing. But then on the flip side... 
Like, I feel like when you get into your 30s, your hormones are go crazy. crazy. I'm 43, so I'm, I'm about to pass out right now. Sitting right here. Getting lightheaded. I'm getting, I'm sorry. <laughs> your mom over there laughing. <laughs> you, you know, I love your mom. Your mom. <laughs> but, Shout out uh, to your mom over there. Right. <laughs> Thank you for dealing with me for all this time. But um, I do think, like, yes, like, it's harder because now, like, your hormones are going crazy. Yep. I think the... The harder part, though, is the emotional side of it. Talk about it. Because part of it feels like, man, Lord, like, did you forget about me? Talk about it. That's what we want to talk about. Go ahead. And and that's the harder part. You see all these other people, and they seem to be, you know, happily in relationships. And then it is, I do know it's a deterrent for some men. Yeah. Like, they could love me to death, but you do not know how many guy friends I have, how many guy best friends I have, because... You are you are wifey material, Terry, but I can't date you. What kind of mess is that? You you done listed fifteen things you want in a woman. I have all fifteen. They like, but that number sixteen now. I need you to drop it like it's hot, and you ain't finna do that. And I need that now. I don't want to find out about that later. I need that now, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. And so, and the crazy thing about it with me is that God has been showing me. I want to fall in love with my best friend. So when you talk about how they're saying that, yeah, we're, we're best friends or whatnot, I want my wife to be my best friend. And that's why God is teaching me this whole dating series that we're doing right now uh, entitled These Dating Streets is trying to educate people on the proper way of dating. You know, when you remove sex off the table and you actually have a really great interaction with the opposite sex and y'all spending time together, just that old school, you know, go back to when you were 12 years old if you didn't grow up fast but you're 12 years old and you writing uh you know i like you do you like me circle yes or no let's get back to those little moments to where you get a chance to quote unquote court somebody just spend time with them and enjoy their presence and then if it doesn't work out there is like no harm no foul because at the end of the day y'all just friends and if it don't work out it just don't work out yes. uh but then if it does work out then you've built something that is so lasting something that's so powerful because you can always go back to that friendship and what makes marriages crumble is because the friendship didn't have a solid foundation yeah that's what Michelle Obama said she oh, said she did. yeah in her book and even she did her tour she said what kept her and, and Barack was their friendship because oh, there was a lot of times where she hated him this is, you know, her yeah. exaggerating, but she's yeah. like, I hated him, but I was still his friend. There it is. And there were times where, like, he wasn't around for a long stretch because he's, you know, doing yeah. his thing. And, like, like the book goes into detail. But she said what held them together is because they were friends. I'm trying to tell you. And people don't understand how powerful that is. You will divorce a wife. I said this one day. I said that um, the revelation that God has given me is that. I divorced a wife before, but what I want is my purpose partner. I'll never divorce my purpose. And so if I marry someone that we're in alignment with our purpose, we, we ain't, we, we rocking until to death do us part because that's what I want more, most. And then God's been unpacking some things in my life and showing me the importance of friendship and having a solid foundation because it's crazy because you'll have, you can have a couple. They'll go tell their friend stuff that they wouldn't typically tell their mate. 
Yeah. And I'll say, what's wrong with that? Like, he'd be like, I can never tell him that. But you go tell your homegirl that. Oh, I ain't finna tell her that. I'm finna tell my boys that. Why? Why? Why is that? Why can't your mate be your best friend? And if you create that safe space, that's what I was talking about in that video. You create that safe space with your mate, then you shouldn't have a problem telling them whatever it is. And I always say that honesty is telling me the truth when asked a question. Transparency is telling me what I don't even know to ask. I need transparency in my relationship. Okay, bars. Okay, come on, come on, come on, somebody. <laughs> but oh. you know, you know what's crazy when we talk about the transparency of a relationship, like when we talk about being a student of your partner. Yes, I think that happens when you are friends a lot yes. better. To what you see, your point that you yes. just said. If you can just study someone, a friend, you have no expectations. None. Of, so you get to know them for who they are, and then you can decide: Do I love who you are? Not do I love who I want you to be? Do I love the expectations that I have on you because we're in a relationship? But do I love you for who you are because you are my friend and I've gotten to know my friend? I've gotten into some little mild debates with a couple of my friends. They'd be like, so how you just going to meet a woman and then just marry her? You, you, you've been on your podcast. You said you want to go from friend to fiance. How is that going to happen? I say, if you don't believe me, just watch. Because the reality is that. When you have a solid friendship, you know if you can be married to that person by real conversation. Y'all not hiding nothing from each other. And I'm talking about real friends where you be like, oh, so, you go, uh, so who'd you go on a date with? Y'all went out with so-and-so. How was it? And y'all just exchanging stories and talking. At the end of the day, you'll look at each other and be like, I want that. And they'll be like, I want that too. And next thing you know, you make, make your intentions known and it don't take that long. See, yeah. the reality is that people like, can you marry somebody in six months to a year? Absolutely. When you know exactly what you want and you guys are being transparent and yeah. honest and vulnerable with each other. That's the word that most people don't want to be is vulnerable. Uh, that word is scarier than dating a virgin because a lot of times they say vulnerability i can't be that you know i can't be vulnerable because uh -uh. you tell them this they're gonna hurt you they tell them it's all the negative stuff that comes with vulnerability instead of saying you know what i'm laying my sword down yeah. and here i am i have no stones to throw let's talk let's be real i'm, I'm let you know my deepest darkest secrets uh here we are let's talk and when you have that level of openness with somebody you have something that's that's lasting and that's what people are afraid of, if we're really honest. They're afraid of being vulnerable with each other and being open with each other. Uh, but the most amazing thing that you said is the fact that, so let's, let's ask this real quick. So when you think about marriage, why would you, because a lot of women would think you're in this position financially, all this type of stuff. You have a lot to lose. Yeah, you can sign prenups and all that type of stuff, but you have a lot to lose. Why would you want to be married? I also have a lot to gain from being married. So, and it's the it's the intangible, the n things that don't have a price on them. So it's the, I've been busy all day, but I find peace when I'm with you. Um, it's the, I just, I get to share my life with, and I mean share my life in terms of there's someone else who knows what's going on where I don't have to explain the details of this. That's that's priceless. Having that person that you can just go cuddle under. And, and, and I want to also be clear. I feel like too many people now think about relationships as just what you, what you get out of it, like mm -hmm. what I can get. Talk about so it. like I'm about to say this thing and it's like personal for me, but I also feel like I'll be that for him too. Talk about it. But like that that safe place where, you know what, I just want to lay my head right here. I don't want to say nothing. 
and you know me well enough to know like that's really what she needs right now. But then also there's a joy of giving. So like the joy of I put a smile on his face today. Like he he was floored by that. Like there's I don't get to experience that because I'm not in a relationship. However, I'm in relationships with other people. And I think people need to realize that, too. Like being in relationship with your friends, your family is a test run for your relationship with a partner. So if you're not giving and and sharing your full self to the rest of the people that are around you, it's going to be really hard for you to just flip a switch and do that with your your boo. But just thoughts. I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now. I don't even know what the next question to ask you, so you're going to have to ask your own question. <laughs> How about I ask you a question? Lord Jesus, this is you're messing me up. Oh, God. Is the emotional part of it for you because, like, oh, you're excited for that to happen in your life, or what's causing you to be emotional right now? Don't try to therapeuticize me. <laughs> I feel like it's it's exciting for you that oh, someone God. else thinks like you think. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I'm trying not to just cry. <laughs> I'm trying not to get emotional. I'm a G. I'm holding my G. Yeah, I was, I was, as I was saying, keep my gangster back. All right, I'm a gangster again. <laughs> so anyway, I hear what you said. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, Let me Jesus, talk about is, myself. This is messing up. Just talk. Just whatever you like to talk about at this point, talk. You know what? Amen. I think us, okay, let me actually put something out there for all the other women and men, but I know a lot of women listen to this, but all the other women who are holding yourself or saving yourself for marriage, because I feel like a lot of us feel like it's a bit hopeless. Like, because we made this this dedication to God, that kind of has made us not be able to get any anybody else. And... And maybe you've been like me and even had that conversation that's like, well, if I never find a partner, I'll be okay. My life is all right. And I want to encourage you. Like there's one scripture in the Bible that has really been encouraging me lately. And it's in Genesis. This is kind of random. But okay. But there's a story in Genesis where... So it's for Abraham. Abraham was getting old, and then he wanted his son Isaac to have a wife. So he sends his servant to go find the wife for him. And the servant goes, and the servant positions himself near a well because he said, well, all the women are going to come here. And then when the women came, the servant actually uh, prayed to God. And he said, God, let the woman who offers me something to drink and then also offers to feed the rest or serve the rest of my camels, like, let that, let me know that that's the one. Like, that's how we'll know he prays for this. So then comes along um, the lady, and she actually, like he says hey I'm so thirsty and she says oh I'll get you some water and then she actually says and I'll actually get some water for your camels now side note do y'all know how much water a camel drinks Mm -hmm. and then the well it says she had a little bitty jug so this is not like something easy like let me just get you this water hose real quick but this is like her going back and forth in multiple trips and because of that, the Bible says that he knew that this is who God had promised. And he, he, was, he was just praising the Lord. So the, 
the thing that's encouraged me lately is to know that, one, I do have a husband out there who is positioning himself in the right place because that servant had to position himself where he knew the women would be. And then he had to pray for a specific thing from that woman. So I do know that there's a man out there, and I know there's a man out there for you all, too. And even if you're a man looking for a wife, I know that there's somebody out there for you who is currently positioning themselves and praying just for you. And then for those that are in waiting, I know that by you serving the Lord and you continuing to do the things that you do and you continuing to be in your work element, it is going to come. It's going to find you there. You don't have to be some different person. You don't have to um, try to like, well, maybe I need to go to this place and be seen and do this. No, he found her where she was in her element. She was working and doing her thing. So just keep being the best at what you're doing. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep having compassion for other people because that's where the person that God has for you is going to find you. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's that preacher. <laughs> that's that, that's that, that's that preacher. Then stepped up and, okay. All right. All right. Well, um, you still crying over there? You okay? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just having a moment, okay, Terry? Just, just let me have a little moment, okay? I'm, I'm, you can have your moment. I'm good. Just, okay, I'm good now, okay? I just had to just listen. That's a powerful word that you just released into the atmosphere, and I appreciate that. I found a lot of value in what you just said. I'm going to send you an offering. We uh, said that over your future wifey box. Yes. Because yes. you're praying and positioning yourself right now, and she is going to come. And what you're praying for, God will show it to Terry, you. Terry, stop. Okay, I'm not going to be I'm, – I'm trying to get myself together. Uh, you over here finna make me cry. I'm telling you, don't you do this to me today. This is my – podcast this is gonna go viral i want you to cry <laughs> just cry no. oh my god you get me emotional okay i do want to say this because your mama said something before this uh before we started recording that your mama told you what did your mama tell you about saving yourself and what 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 what, what did she offer you you know, my mom has never said save till marriage. Right. But she did want me to like save till after college so I right. could stay focused. She even gave me a thousand dollars for it. Yeah. Um would you have to give it back if you slipped up? Or did she hold it until college and say, here? You know what? I told you I'm old. My mind is old. I don't even remember the conversation. But that might be why I'm still a virgin because I like money. But clearly, the $1,000 is what did it. Like That's a lot of money, boy. Shoot, back then, you said, I'm going to give you $1,000 to stay a virgin? Shoot. That would work for me. That would work. See, they didn't parent yeah. you right. They I was poor. I grew up poor. My, my daddy would give me. We were poor, too. Maybe I don't think I believed her. That's probably why I didn't remember. Because we, we were couponing at the grocery store. So she ain't had no $1,000 to give she did, nobody. She did, she did a bait and switch on you. She over there laughing. She knew. She did a bait now and switch on like, you. Now she's like, I wanted you to give me $1,000 when you got old enough. She bait and switched you. She did you wrong. But it worked, though. It worked. So I guess she, mama knows best. True. But listen, uh, Terry, you have a program, um, and I'll be remiss if I didn't give people an opportunity to know about what you do and how they can get involved in what you do. And so talk about your program. Yeah, so I teach a course called Trade and Travel, 
And it's literally, like I said, it's I was trading so that I could travel the world. Right. And that's what I teach people to do. How do you have a seven-step system of trading stocks to afford things, like afford to pay down your debt, afford that, that flight that you want to take, afford to take care of your family? I have some students right now that they have to take care of their, their sick parents. Yeah. So they're affording medical bills Good. through trading. Good. Another one, he has a son that he wants to put in private school. He's affording the private school bill by trading stocks. So like really teaching you through trade and travel, how do you use stocks and how do you use your savings to afford the things that you want and that you love? How do they, how do they connect with this? Check us out on trade and travel, all written out trade and travel um, on YouTube, on Instagram, and then trade and travel.com. And I'll put a link in the description. Definitely. Uh, listen, um, Terry, I've enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, this was unexpected. Um, I didn't have a clue about what I was going to talk to you about. A lot of times I at least have an idea. I never prepare for an interview, but I have an idea. This right here, I had no idea. I didn't even have the type. I didn't have nothing. I said, we're just going to talk. And I don't know what we, we're going to talk about her being a virgin, but you can't talk about that for an hour. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and God said, ah, I got you. And um, I think he got me. Um, and so thank you so much for being transparent. Thank you for being vulnerable in this episode. I hope this episode resonates with the hearts and the minds of the people that, uh, witness it. And I uh, speak blessings over you. I pray that God aligns you with your purpose partner, someone that's going to cover you, someone that's going to protect you, someone that's not going to take advantage of you, someone that you can just rest in, in the name of Jesus. So I speak that over your life and um, make sure y'all follow her on all social media. Um, thank you for being on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Thank you for giving me a chance to be transparent. I don't get to share this side of myself often. So thank you so much for letting the Lord just speak and do his thing. I really appreciate that. That's a that. beautiful side of you. It's a beautiful side. Thank you. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize 
that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm LaTaris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. You've asked. We're delivering the first ever meetup event for Dear Future Wife, a Valentine's soiree for singles. Saturday, February the 12th, 2022, Dallas, Texas. Get your tickets at selflovesoiree.com. Proceeds benefit Kingdom Royale. So let me make a quick disclaimer. Um, I've been in some. I've been in. I've been in worship. Um. Yeah. I've been in worship and just in awe about what God is doing. So that's the reason why I sound a little stuffy. Some little snotty. Just been crying and just thanking God for just how good he is. Just how good he is. Try not to go back in again. Uh, let me just start this off with a prayer for those that are patiently waiting. Heavenly Father, I lift up your children my brothers and sisters who are patiently waiting. They're in the waiting room waiting for you to just see about them. I feel like they've 
been forgotten. God asks right now in the name of Jesus that they don't grow weary in their well-doing. For they shall reap if they faint not. And God, I ask that you divinely connect them to their purpose. And after connecting them to their purpose, then you link them with their purpose partners. Let them fulfill the work that they're supposed to fulfill as singles. We're in these dating streets. God, we need to see you because we see so many false representations of love and representatives but not the real thing counterfeits so God I ask that you teach us patience but along the way God just wrap your loving arms around us and give us signs and wonders that you're still there that our hearts desires will still be fulfilled we thank you God Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dear future wifey, the sound of your voice resonates with my inner man. Your voice reverberates in my soul, healing my mind from past doubts that you didn't exist. You confirm my secret prayers with each syllable that escapes your lips. The passivity of your intellect is like foreplay before our I do's. You take me to ecstasy mentally because I'm a sapiosexual. I like it raw and uncut. The unadulterated truth. Speak the word with conviction. With bated breath, my responses become vows like A-E-I-O-U. Yes, I-O-U. Why? Because a gift as rare as you can't be treated casually. I'll meticulously find ways to shower you with my love, honor, and respect to remind you I don't take you lightly. I won't take you for granted. You are heaven's most precious gift entrusted to me for covering. Rest in me. Your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit. Live intentionally and transparently. And don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.